Welcome to On Water, the Session Magazine podcast. Here we talk to water athletes, entrepreneurs, scientists, and earth-friendly folks about the experience of a life well-lived connected to water. I'm your host, Evelyn O'Doherty. Let's dive in. Chuck Patterson is a bona fide, larger-than-life athlete who regularly pushes the limits of what's possible. When he's not charging gigantic waves, hucking off vertical rock faces, or foiling in foreign countries, he is often found mentoring up-and-coming athletes or lending a hand to communities in need. He is, on all fronts, charging all the time. Let's dive in. Chuck, how are you? Good, good. How are you? So great to hear from you. It's so great to get you on speaker and get you in our podcast. Thanks so much for taking time today. How is your back healing? My back is, it's, uh, it's healing. It's just time. I've learned a lot about patience. It's, it's, been, it's been a struggle. I think this is my first really, really bad injury that has kind of taught me a lot of lessons. Some could say it's a blessing in disguise. You could look at it in a different way where it's, it's, it's a nightmare, but at my age, with all the things I've done, I think I've been very lucky, so I have to kind of look at it as a blessing and maybe a good time to kind of reset and figure things out. So that's where I'm, where I'm putting all my good energy with right now. Absolutely. Looking forward. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this predicament for people who may not be aware of what happened at Cortez? Yes, yeah, so a long story short, I was actually over in Maui with um, Izzy Gomez, helping her, kind of supporting her with her big wave surfing out at Jaws. And so I was kind of coaching her a little bit and just kind of getting her into her comfort zone. And um, we decided to follow that swell from Jaws to basically back to California and then get on a boat and go to Cortez. And it was kind of a, a last minute, very last minute thing, but the swell and conditions, everything, you know, basically was kind of a dream come true. So a little bit of a risk, making sure, you know, the ocean stays the way the forecast holds. And so we kind of went into this last minute thing. We, you know, got the red eye flight that night and zipped out, um, got to California super early in the morning, packed the whole boat. And then by seven o'clock that night, we were en route to, you know, on a hundred mile cruise out to the middle of the ocean. So that took about 10 hours because we're trying to conserve gas. And uh, we were on a really nice boat towing three jet skis and had a good crew of fun people. And so we woke up to a really beautiful, oily, glassy, gorgeous sunset, or I'm sorry, sunrise, (laughs) to just this rad setup of this wave that was breaking off like about a mile away from us in the abyss. And, and, um, yeah, it was kind of a little dream come true how it all came together. A lot of things had to come together to make it happen. Chuck, how how big was that swell? Um, you know, 
<laughs> on my, I, I know. Heard, I heard so many stories, but I think to me, the swell looked like it was, you know, solid 40 foot faces, maybe a couple bigger sets, but it was very inconsistent. So it was abnormally super clean, oily, glassy conditions, which we never see that out there. It's usually very, very windy, pretty much 362 days of the year. <laughs> um, and then to time that, you know, with a perfect swell and a high pressure and no fog. So it was pretty amazing. I mean, there might have been a couple 50-foot sets, but I'd have to say it was probably 40, 45-foot faces, but just perfect, very dreamy conditions. So... That being said, we all kind of got out there. There was another crew, which was the HBO 100-foot documentary crew with Garrett McNamara and Andrew Cotton and a bunch of other Red Bull athletes and Justine DuPont. So it was it was really cool to kind of share that with those guys. And uh, long story short, I got a couple waves to kind of get field out and then went and took Izzy out and towed her into a couple and then decided to go, you know, kind of switch back out and go try to get some bigger sets. And I end up catching this one, kind of the second wave of the set, pretty solid wave, and kind of hit the inside reef pretty pretty clean, but really fast. And right. it looked like the whole thing was going to barrel. So I kind of positioned myself just under the barrel and started going down the line. And I noticed kind of a warble in the wave, kind of came up the wave face and then made the lip, instead of throwing out, it kind of folded over and rolled. And I noticed that and wanted to get out of the way. And so I tried to dive out of the way to, you know, make sure I wouldn't get the beating that, that I did get. And uh, the lip basically hit me midair, square Ouch. in the back, and it hit me so hard that it knocked me unconscious for probably five seconds. I didn't really know where I was. And then I kind of came to fighting in the white water. Still had enough air, so I wasn't freaking out, but I kind of was trying to figure out where I was, and I was trying to pull my vest. I couldn't figure out where the pull tabs were. Finally made it to the surface just a little bit late after my partner, my driver, passed by me. So I just turned around and had to take another breath of air and then went down and took another pretty bad beating, went super deep, and then came back up and then finally found my pull tabs. Got one more set of waves, hit, you know, hit me and then pulled and, you know, suddenly I was floating. And then by that time, after the next wave, my partner came and grabbed me. I got on the sled and went out to the channel and knew that I did some something pretty bad to my back. My first question, I guess, is like when you got hit by that wave, do you even remember that? I mean, you said you got knocked out. I mean, I just remember getting hit and then kind of this euphoric kind of falling, you know, in space kind of feeling wow. where I didn't really know where I was. I just felt like I was weightless for a long time. And then it kind of went blank for a second. And then I just remember suddenly I'm just in white water, underwater, trying to get to the surface. And so that wow. was, you know, there's like a little gap. So, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I've never been hit by a wave that hard and people were like, ah, it's just water. But it's mm -hmm. cold, you know, the colder the water is, the more dense it is. And with that much power of the swell and, you know, this, this energy is coming from a couple thousand feet and then comes up and hits Cortez Bank, basically Bishop Rock, which is like 20, 23 feet at its shallowest. So you have so much energy coming at once. And I was just at the wrong place, wrong time. And I tried to dive to get away from the lip, but the lip 
hit me midair and and that was that so mother Pushed nature you under. Yeah, yeah mother nature rules when it comes to that <laughs> you bet and and as you said like you've you've had a really good run up till yeah. now you know so how did you know that you were hurt um, I just knew that my back felt really stiff. You know, I had lower back pain. I didn't have any protruding ribs or anything weird. You know, I just knew that I definitely compressed hard. I mean, I was hit so hard that it felt like falling out of a three-story building and landing flat on pavement. It was just such mm-hmm. an abrupt hit. So I, I just knew. And then, I mean, prior to this Christmas Eve, you know, I took a kind of a hit towing out in Maui and I tried to kick out in front of a big closeout and I hit the water again and separated some ribs on the right side. So that was, you know, it was only about two and a half weeks in from that, but I kind of was like, well, I can deal with pain. So I was already, you know, hitting this, (laughs) this whole swell probably with half a deck, which normally people wouldn't do, but it's a, chance of a lifetime to go out to Cortez and get conditions like that. And then also mentoring Izzy, getting her out there and pushing her. I just thought, well, I think I can, you know, I definitely can pull it off. Lo and behold, I didn't really plan for taking a beating that would take me out, but it didn't ruin the day. Right. But it didn't take you out. Right. I mean, the best part of this story is that even though you were pretty injured, you decided to get back on the ski and get back out there with Izzy. Yeah. I mean, it was like I had kind of a sense of responsibility in my mind to, I wasn't going to do anyone any good if I was sitting on the boat and if something went wrong. So I just felt the responsibility to kind of just muscle it out. Obviously, if I got really hurt to where I couldn't move or barely breathe or I was bleeding or something, you know, severe, severe. Or you'd lost a limb, something yeah. something severe. Yeah, yeah you know, I would, <laughs> I would obviously, it'd be a different story, but that might have been the end of the trip. So I was very thankful that that didn't ruin the trip and that I was still able to be on the ski and I kind of just held out and I was in a lot of pain, but it was one of those things where it was like, I didn't want to ruin the trip for everyone. And I felt uh, responsibility to make sure that everyone was safe. And if I was on the ski, I was able to make sure of that without wondering. So at the end of the day, I was stoked to get Izzy in a couple more waves and a couple of the other guys on the boat. And we all came back safely. And then I just started my journey of getting an MRI and dealing with the pain. And, you know, I think I was very lucky just because of all the training I had done that um, mm-hmm. I was still really strong. And mm-hmm. if I didn't have that, it probably would have been the end of that trip pretty quick. Right. So for those listeners who don't know, what happened was Chuck took that beat down and he broke four ribs in his back, received a compression fracture to T12 in his spine. And uh, and after that, got back out there and, and helped Izzy Gomez find a few more waves, which is really a perfect example of who Chuck Patterson is <laughs> in, a, in a sort of a sick way. So Chuck, what's your biggest takeaway from that experience? I mean, there's there's a couple for sure. I'm sure a lot of people doing this for a living look at it differently and say, well, Chuck, that was kind of stupid. But I think a lot of those guys and girls would understand that I think one kind of following through with what you say you're going to do, you know, and mm. especially if it's in your head, mm-hmm. um, making sure that everyone's safe. Probably if I were to do it over again, I probably would have taped myself up and been a little bit more prepared for the what if. I didn't even have that in my head. I was just like, I'm going to do this. And I really wanted to get Izzy some some good waves to kind of get her in a just a different flow, a little different headspace of trying something new, which worked out. 
But I mean, yeah, there's a couple things that, I mean, I went in kind of rash. It was a very last minute. It was like 18 hours to plan it all together. I had mm-hmm. wished that I had had another safety tow team. We had like three people that couldn't make it that last minute. And I kind of was out of the deck of cards as far as mm-hmm. people that could make it. So, but I didn't want that to be the end all. And we had the boat. We had a good group of people. So I thought, you know what? This is this is okay. So the takeaway would be a little bit more preparedness. I'm glad I followed through with what I said I was going to do and everybody got home safely. Um, mm-hmm. Patience is, I think, a big thing. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more preparedness as far as really thinking everything out and going, okay, this is what I want to do. I kind of rushed it a little bit because I we were all amped to get out there and being that there was another boat with nine skis, you're, you kind of want to make the most of what you have and you don't know what's going to happen the next hour. I think we can all relate to, you know, like, oh, it's going to be good tomorrow. And then tomorrow ends up being windy and rainy or there's no waves or if you're dealing with snow, the snow got hard overnight or something. So it's, it's one of those things you got to make the most of the moment. Of course. And then obviously now with the injury, a lot of humble pie. It's been, I'd like to say I'm always like happy-go-lucky, but there's nothing worse when you're taken out of the game and you can still walk and breathe and you feel like I, I should be okay, but you're dealing with pain in the back and it's almost like hidden pain until you kind of twist and then suddenly there it mm-hmm. is and you're like, okay, I get it. I, I need to I need to just rest and I've never been a good rester. So maybe that's part of it of like going, hey, Chuck, you need to rest. Maybe it's a good time for you to reset, put some more time into maybe some business things that you always put off and go from there. And I have to say it's it's definitely been very good for me and I'm, I'm still making the most of it right now. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I mean, just that whole story about getting a beat down, getting back out there. And then even now, as I totally understand that you're frustrated, you know, with the slow knitting of bone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to make them to make the most out of it. I mean, that's the best that's the best any of us could ask for. Yeah. So it sort of circles back into the next question I had for you. I was so interested last year to hear about that water safety program that you participated in oh, in yeah. the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And I would I would love to just hear a little bit more about that. Like what exactly is that program? What were you doing as a part of it? I mean, I feel like that kind of water safety we should all be participating in if we're out on the water. So tell me a little bit about what what happened then? Yeah, so I've got a good group of friends up in Oregon that, you know, we all kind of share the same love for toe surfing and basically, you know, enjoying chasing waves and stuff like that. And we've been doing it for a long time. I have to say, like, since I've been on a jet ski, I think since 94 or whatever, mm-hmm. like kind of mm-hmm. in big surf. And so a good friend of mine, Eric Akaskine, uh, who owns toesurfer.com. And another good friend of his that lives up there in Oregon, we all kind of put together, they put together this great program. It's kind of like a Northwestern, kind of like a waterman program where, you know, you would go up for two, three days and you would Mm -hmm. bring your jet ski and we would explain, you know, how everything works as far as, you know, making sure that, you know, we did a CPR class, making sure that you're on top of the full setup of your jet ski and having all the safety equipment in place and knowing how to use them like with a rescue sled and you know sling and being able to drive in and out of 15 to 20 foot big surf surf very safely with another person you know with we did it with one person with two and three 
and being able to do rescues within the whitewater and stuff. So it was really cool. So everybody, there was a, we had a really good group of watermen and new watermen that had just gotten jet skis and some had been doing it for a long time, but wanted to kind of up their game and how they kind of envision going out there. And they wanted to be an asset versus someone that would get in mm. trouble. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. There's another uh, program called Brag and it's like big wave rescue. It's, it's the same kind of program but they do everything with you know top athletes and lifeguards but they teach you how to do all the rescues but you don't get to do them so it's still an awesome program and they do really well but we wanted to kind of push it to the next level as far as helping guide people into driving their jet ski in an aggressive manner through the surf being able to do it safely and also if anything goes down that they are an asset to going, hey, I know exactly what I need to do. Let's go and help these guys, you know, whether it be they flip their jet ski or there was a rescue that needed to be done and the other jet ski, or maybe it's just a surfer that got hurt in the lineup when it's big surf. They knew mm -hmm. how to basically do their risk assessment and take care of a safe rescue and be able to implement that to bringing that person or the jet ski or whatever to shore and contact the EMS 911 and mm -hmm. being able to have a full program set without um, wasting time thinking what do we do so it, it was it was awesome like the first day everybody you know figured we made sure that everybody's jet skis were set up exactly the way they need to be and helped people tweak what they needed to have done a little bit better then we took them out driving uh, we met up with the coast guard and they brought the helicopter out and a small coast guard cutter Oh, wow. Um, and we got to meet all the rescue swimmers and the captain. And then they did a full on program out in the water. So we took our jet skis, went way out and they uh, had the helicopter. They were jumping out and getting on the jet ski and then going back and being lifted back in. And um, then we did some stuff with the Coast Guard cutter going through the surf. And uh, then we started doing more tactical driving and, you know, in and out of the whitewater and then some rescue scenarios as far as bringing someone in unconscious, putting them on, on a backboard and then bringing them up to, you know, the, the deck where the ambulance was. So it was a lot of really cool scenarios. And then the second day we got very lucky with a lot bigger surf. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started doing rescue scenarios in the surf where the jet ski would go through like 15, 20 foot whitewater and driving, trying to figure out how to zigzag through the whitewater without sending the jet ski, you know, 20 feet in the air every time you hit a wave and um, driving defensively and safely and smart and then picking up their guy and then coming in and doing a drop off. And so it was just neat to see from the first day to the second day um, mm -hmm. how people just evolved and how they were able to really learn by doing versus just by hearing and then you never get to see the end product so it was really neat to see these people kind of graduate at the end of the day with a big smile on their face a total new understanding of how to drive defensively and safely in the big lineup and also have confidence in taking care of a high-risk situation you know in rescue and also understand when the coast guard comes out what they need to do to kind of be of help versus a problem yeah, what a valuable program. I mean, it, do you know, is this going to be an annual event up in Oregon? Yes. Yeah, so we are uh, planning on doing this at least once a year. But I think we are also going to do something this spring, I think in April, May, 
because we had so many people that ended up hitting us up after the first mm -hmm. program. And then suddenly it was just like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we, we didn't know this was going to explode. So we're going to, I think, do at least one every year, but I think we're going to push this. We're going to see how the spring lays out. We have a, a huge waiting list of people and it's really nice. The area that we're at, that's not very crowded of surfers, like, you know, in Hawaii or in Southern California. So we have a, a pretty big flaying field with no one around that you can um, do all your training in and out of big surf, windy conditions and not get yelled at or be doing anything illegal, you know, or mm -hmm. against the environment. So it's, it's a really neat area to train and do this and the town and the fire department and coast guard are all behind it. So we're very fortunate to have that. Wow. What a great service to the whole water community. Yeah. So if it sounds like you already have a pretty big backload, but how would people find out about signing up for, you know, either this April or next year? Yeah. So, well, basically towsurfer.com. If you went to towsurfer.com, you'll be able to see the whole program on there. Yeah. So it's a Pacific Northwest Ocean Safety Summit. And um, I believe we may have already a website for that, but definitely it's one of the founders is Eric Akaskalian from towsurfer.com. You can mm -hmm. hit him up also on his Instagram where you get more information. We have a Pacific Northwest Ocean Safety Summit Instagram page where you can also ping and do a direct message. Cool. And that's probably the best. But um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's one of those great things where we even had a couple of women come out and then try, you know, try it out. They didn't hear about it till the second day. And uh, so that was, I mean, it was just awesome. It's really for everyone, you know, that wants to be a little bit more on top of riding a jet ski in and out of surf without being, you know, freaked out and going, oh, I'm not going out there or maybe getting in trouble. So it gives you a better understanding all the way around and you have a little more respect for how the ocean works. And, you know, we teach a lot about how to read the waves, the conditions, having a plan before you go out. And as far as like making sure that you let everyone know what your plan is. And then when you come in, making sure that everybody knows that you're in. So no one is worried or, or doing a rescue program and you're not out at sea. Right, right. Well, again, I mean, that it just sounds like a formidable and really valuable program. And I love to hear that you're involved with something so impactful up there. Yeah, I'm super lucky. And it's just nice to be able to share what we've we've learned and right. you know, for so long and be able right. to... Because back in the day, it was no one wanted to share any of that because we didn't want to overpopulate the lineups of certain areas that we were going. And now it's Understood. come to a point where it's like, hey, we'd rather have more people out there safe with a better understanding where we can all work together and make sure that everybody comes home safely after a, a big day on the water. That's great. That's great. So again, that's towsurfer.com and Pacific Northwest Ocean Safety Summit. Yes. Cool. So, you know, Chuck, it seems like you're thriving back in the California sunshine after your <laughs> move back home from Vermont, right? I mean, since you've landed, you've just been full yeah. force again. So what's one thing that you missed most about living in California? Oh, you mean when, when we were living in Vermont? Yeah, well, now that you're home, oh, you're yeah. back in California again, yeah. right? What's one thing that you, yeah, that you missed about living there that you realize now that um, you're back home? Well, it's funny. I didn't think I would miss it that much or I thought I could get around it. Um, mm -hmm. and it, was, it was basically being able to get on the water and have the ocean in our front yard every day. So, I mean, if even at the end of the day, after working, training, whatever – 
we, Trish and I, make a point to go watch the sunset. It's mm-hmm. nice to be able to jump in the water any time of the day. And year. Before work, after work. <laughs> You know, and then being in Vermont, I mean, it was an awesome experience. Everybody thought we were crazy, but I I really, we have so many cool friends there. It was really neat to do something totally different and learning to fly and, you know, work for an aerospace company, things you I really couldn't do here. So, you know, it wasn't a wasted trip. It was just mm-hmm. um, a neat adventure and journey. And um, I have to say, though, we're both very happy to be here. And I feel just a little bit more... Like this is my scene. I'm very a lot more alive. Um, I really love being very mm-hmm. overly mm-hmm. busy, mm-hmm. and for me, it's very healthy. So, I think California is definitely. <laughs> it was born here, and uh, it was for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so speaking of Trish, that kind of rolls into my next question. So, you got married. <laughs> yes, I got married. I mean, it, not, it's... not many people know, may know that you recently tied the knot with Trish Myler, making yeah. her your Mrs. Patterson. Exactly. So what, what made you decide to finally get married? Well, I mean, it's Trish and I have been going, well, we've been together now for a little over five years. And mm-hmm. um, I was married back in the day, you know, a while back, great okay. marriage. Everything was awesome. But I think for me, being an athlete and still pushing the limits. And there was a part of me that was still very selfish. So I wasn't ready Hmm. to really apply 150% to what a marriage needs. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's on me, but we separated amicable. We're still good friends, a lot of respect both ways. It just, for me, I, I don't think, um, it was maybe a little bit too early, you know, right. and I didn't know. Ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're an athlete, you're, you're trying to push it 150% and there's a, a bit of selfishness that has to go along with it because mm-hmm. you can't apply yourself 150% and then go, Oh gosh, I got kids to worry about this and that, or you can't, I mean, you have to give everywhere. So for me, it was as I was getting older, certain things. You're getting older? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, I can't even believe I even say that, but yes. <laughs> so, I mean, so I started to kind of, certain things didn't matter anymore as far as like, I, I didn't worry about like, what do people think? Or do I need to go to the bars and hang out? And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was really all about sports and being around friends and the stuff that makes you happy, you know? Right. And then I got to meet right. Trish. And her and I complimented each other. She's very organized, put together, a very <laughs> strong woman. And I'm a little bit, you know, last minute, happy-go-lucky certain things. You know, when you're, when you're chasing swell or snow or whatever, it's always last minute. So mm-hmm. um, it's nice mm-hmm. to have someone like that that's in your corner that really supports you in the good and the bad. Because there's mm-hmm. many times, you know, we get moody and, and you know, especially when I get hurt. You know, that's, that doesn't happen often, but I learned a lot about myself, like going, I really need to be patient. I need to look at the good side in things and, you know, be thankful for what I have. So it was no surprise down the line. I'm very lucky to have met her and uh, she's still here no matter how much I drive her nuts. <laughs> and she definitely compliments my life 150%. I mean, without her, there's a lot of things I could not do. And so it's been great. And I, we love traveling together mm-hmm. and she's really like one of my best friends that really, mm-hmm. we love doing a lot of things together and I'm constantly learning. But the nice thing is now I'm open to it versus, you know, just thinking about myself. Now I have, now we have 
you know, family. She's got her two boys that mm -hmm. are awesome kids and she's a great mother to them and to me. So it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> That's so great. It's funny. I've heard a lot of professional athletes say just that, that when you're in your prime and you're chasing your vision, there's just no room really yeah. for, for somebody else. Like you have to be a little bit not a little bit, you have to be selfish to go after those big dreams. Exactly. And uh, to hear you say that just it just really validates all of that. So I know Trish was out there with you for the Cortez Bank mm -hmm. episode. And does being married change the way that you look at chasing extreme sports? I mean, you've been doing that your whole life, right? Yeah. I mean, it it does to a little point as far as you don't want to do something stupid and not come home. And um, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that should be that way for anything, but as if you're not married and it's just for you, you're going, I think there's a part of you that you can be a little bit crazy and you don't have that in the back of your mind, but you know, when you're married or you have kids, especially, mm -hmm. or even with, you know, with family, you have that in the back of your mind. Um, you know, I've been doing it for a very, very long time. So to get married, a little bit later now to where I'm not chasing it 100% all the time. It's a little bit easier. But I mean, it was interesting because we were fairly new married, you know, we got married New Year's Eve. And then we're out at Cortez Banks mm -hmm. two weeks later chasing this big swell. She's on the boat. You know, I have this little episode where I get hurt. I'm not coming to the boat, but she knows what happened. And she's obviously worried, but I'm mm -hmm. on the jet ski. Everything's fine. So I come in to get some water and take a break. And she's obviously very upset for me um, for maybe being a little selfish of going, I need to be on the ski. And she's like, you're going to hurt yourself even more. And so there was a little learning right there where I wasn't really thinking about that. I was still being selfish going, Hey, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not in a wheelchair, you know, in a jokingly way, but you know, I'm, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> right. I just feel that I, I'm committed to this and I want to make sure that everyone's safe. I would do no good if I was sitting on the boat and something happened and to any one of our crew or anyone and mm -hmm. I wasn't there to do something about it. So, so, you know, I mean, um, that's one part that, uh, you know, so I had to cool. kind of, I got reminded of going, yes, you know, so I'm not going to go and do stuff half-heartedly where I don't have a plan. That definitely is always in the back of my mind. So, I mean, it's a it's a different way of looking at it. I That's mean, great. look at someone like Kai Lenny and Molly. They're a lot younger. Mm -hmm. Kai's been mm -hmm. pushing the envelope since he was a little kid, and he's one of the best watermen in the world. And he's got two beautiful daughters. So, I mean, I think for someone like that, the same thing goes through his head. But he's also very, mm -hmm. I mean, I think mm -hmm. you, you learn the more and more you do your sport that um, or sports that um, you're organized, you have a routine, how everything works, you have all your safety stuff in place. You're going out with a plan and a focus and a goal and you're coming back. You know, the plan is not to just go out and right. see what happens. And that's the nice right. thing of being able to kind of mix it up with guys like Kai, Robbie Nash, Dave Kalama, a lot of guys in the ski industry is we all obviously all want to come back. And as we inspire people, we also want to inspire safety and um, not going crazy and doing things without a plan. Yeah, such a good message. Yeah. So, Chuck, we just have a couple of minutes left, and I wanted just to ask you quickly, after rehab, right, after we've healed your back, your neck, you know, because all of that is in the making, what's next for Chuck Patterson? 
I mean, for me, after all of this, I still have a bucket list of a couple things that I wanted to hit this year and kind of really do. Anything you want to share? Well, the wave skiing thing in Nazare was something that was really mm. on on my list, basically. So it would be nice to be able to do that, or at least somewhere, if I couldn't do Nazare. At the same time, I'm doing a lot of different things with public speaking and a bunch of podcasts like this to where I'm kind of starting to learn, be able to kind of share what I've done. So I'm going to do more of that. Great. And I think just the coaching part is really big. I mean, being able to work with someone like Izzy Gomez, you know, with Red Bull, and um, try to do more things to kind of help young athletes, whether it's in the snow or the surf, basically get to be their best. And then I think just somehow wrapping all that together and having a focus on inspiring people to be their best or conquer a couple things that are a little bit scary for them. And so just kind of giving back, mm -hmm. you know, I've been very lucky and, and I'm not chasing stuff every 24 hours. So I, I think it's a perfect time to kind of um, be able to give back being that I've been so lucky to and fortunate to um, live my dream. It's not over, but I think it's, uh, it's appropriate to share, you know, my experiences with, with everyone. Mm -hmm. It sounds epic. Perfect wrap up to a great conversation here, you know, leaving off on that inspiring note. Thanks so much for scheduling us into oh. your busy, busy schedule, Chuck. I really appreciate it. And we, you know, we wish you the best of luck with your healing and look forward to all of those adventures in the future. I hope to have you back on the podcast, you know, sometime later in the year and just hear about what you've been up to and, and how everything's going. For sure. Well, thank you so much for everything. I'm really stoked on everything you guys are doing. And uh, I definitely plan on getting back here and, uh, and hopefully telling you some more new, new tales of uh, the adventures of Chuck Patterson. Yeah. Of Chuck Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. You're the best. All right. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of On Water. We certainly love bringing the myriad and diverse group of characters from our water community to you to share their experiences. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. This podcast grows out of the publication of our quarterly print magazine, Session. Session celebrates the ways in which we all, as water lovers, engage in our world's aquatic playgrounds, from surfing to foiling, kiting, stand-up paddling, and more. We encourage you to visit our website at www.session-magazine.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.